and looking forward to how God is going to change your perspective this Christmas. Uh, I pray that it's not a Christmas like all others. You know, you might have had some really great Christmases in your past, but I pray that this one's going to be different for you. You know, I read a story uh, about this, these couple of guys that a few days before Christmas, they decided they were going to go boating while their wives went Christmas shopping. And so they went out in their boats, and out of nowhere, this unexpected storm came out, and before long, the wind began to howl, and the waves began crashing against their boat. So they decided they were immediately going to head home, and as they headed into the harbor, their boat hit a sandbar. Immediately, both guys jump out of the boat, and they start pushing and shoving on the boat, trying to get the boat into deeper water. Well, here they are, knee-deep in mud, waves slamming them against the side of the boat, and one of them said to the other, this sure beats Christmas shopping, don't it? <laughs> Amen. Man, men don't like Christmas shopping for the most part. Uh, I know that Brother Tim loves Christmas shopping. Amen. He likes taking the whole crew of young people and going and, and shopping for people. But I think he's more of the superintendent type. Right, he just lets them do it, amen. But uh, shopping is not what Christmas is all about, amen. I know that we probably do a lot of it, but that's not what it's all about. And so today, we're going to continue focusing on the true reason for Christmas, and it ain't shopping, amen. Uh, we are going to recognize that it's easy, it's easy to lose perspective during Christmas. It can be so difficult for we as believers to keep our narrow focus on the Christ of Christmas. But I want to encourage you to do that this year. Because during this Christmas season, you and I both need to be reminded that we have a multitude of reasons to rejoice in God who has blessed us more than we can ever fathom or imagine. I mean, if there's ever a time of the year when we should get that, Christmas is the time. I mean, here we have a God who has chosen to be involved in our lives. We have a God who chooses to actively intervene in every facet of your life. We have a God who chooses to pour out his favor upon you, whether you recognize it or not. So this Christmas, let us stop. Let us stop with all the commercial stuff let us stop for a second with all the shopping stuff. Let us stop and take it all in. Let us stop and see what Christmas is really about. Because listen, y'all, if we don't, we're doing Christmas all wrong. Now, I know that there's a lot to think about come Christmas time. We think about all the decorations. We think about all the gifts that have got to be purchased. We think about how we're going to travel safely this year. 
We think about how we're going to safely enjoy all the food. You knew this was coming around to food, didn't you? We need to think about how we're going to enjoy all the dinners safely. We need to be thinking about how we're going to safely enjoy all the get-togethers. But do we ever give any thought to Christmas like Mary did? Like Mary, the mother of Jesus, did. You know, Mary had a lot to think about too. After a visit from the shepherds, the Bible says that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The idea here is, is that Mary was carefully storing up everything that was happening. The idea here is, is that Mary was trying to somehow put it all together. She was thinking hard about all that was happening, and she was trying to make heads or tails of what was going on. So I wonder, what was it that Mary was thinking about? What was it that she treasured in her heart? Well, in Luke's account of the birth of Jesus Christ, we see four incidents, at least, that Mary treasured in her heart. And today, I want you and I to try to walk through those incidents with her. The first incident that Mary treasured in her heart was the announcement by the angel. In Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, we learn about how this announcement was made to Mary. In verse 26, the Bible says, Now in the sixth month, that is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice! See, you have reason to be rejoicing, amen? Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. If you don't get anything else today, I want you to know that the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, Gabriel said to Mary. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. If there's anything you should walk out of here with today is you don't need to be afraid. For you have found favor with God. Do you know that you found favor with God today? And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I don't know a man? 
And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called, here we go, the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren, unable to have children. For with God, nothing is impossible. Will you say that with me? For with God, nothing is impossible. Say it again. For with God, praise the Lord. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What would it be like to be visited by an angel from God? I think that being confronted by an angel would be a terrifying experience. And that's why angels always started out their message the same way. They always started out their message, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I mean, how humbling would it be to have an angel come to you to tell you that God has you in mind for an incredible and spectacular work. I mean, have you ever thought about what it would be like to be chosen for a very special but difficult task? Can I tell you that you have been chosen for a very special but difficult task? The task of letting the gospel of Jesus be known all over the world is a very difficult task, but you've been chosen to do it. You've been chosen. But Mary had another problem. She didn't have the problems that you and I have. She had the problem because she had some very serious biological impossibilities. Her marriage, her life would be the challenge. Her marriage and her life would be in jeopardy. And so Mary had a lot to think about, y'all. Even though this message comes from God and she knows it. Even though she knows that God is actively intervening in her life. Who's going to believe me? A virgin having a baby. Right. Oh, your son's going to be the savior of the world. Right. Oh, your son is the prophesied Messiah. Yeah, right. This silly girl is out of her mind. But Mary agrees to it. And in her response, provides the bravest sentence in the whole Bible. Her response is, let it be to me according to your word. Because you see, friend, in Mary's womb was the all-knowing, all-powerful creator God 
who made himself human. We should never get over that one. God, who was larger than the whole universe, listen to this, had become an embryo. God, who sustains the world by his power, has chosen to be dependent upon a teenage girl. God as a fetus. Holiness in a womb. The creator being created. Can I tell you, Mary had a lot to think about. Which brings us to a second incident that Mary treasured in her heart. And that is, she treasured this adventure to Bethlehem. In Luke chapter 2, we read in the first verse that it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, that all the world should be registered. This census, this counting of people, first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. Isn't it interesting that 2,000 years ago, Syria was a focal point, and even today we find Syria being a focal point. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Now, ladies, have you ever thought about what it would be like to take a 90-mile trip in your ninth pregnancy, ninth month of pregnancy? Doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me, but we know that God does move in mysterious ways. You see, the Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. It had been prophesied hundreds of years before that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. But the problem was this. Joseph and Mary lived in Nazareth. So a trip was going to have to take place. And so what does God do? God prepares the way through this Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, and he tells him to do a census. Everybody's got to go to their hometown and for Joseph and Mary, that hometown was Bethlehem. Now, I'm sure that this 90-mile trip was hardly good news for Mary or Joseph. Who wants to take a 90-mile trip when you're expecting a kid? Amen? And on top of that, get this, they probably walked. Took a lot of money back in that day to afford a donkey, yet that's the picture we always get, isn't it? They probably walked 90 miles to Bethlehem. And when they finally made it to Bethlehem, they're absolutely wiped out, completely exhausted, 
And what happens then? No room. No room. Have you ever thought what it would be like to be rejected about the time you're going to give birth? Can you imagine walking 90 miles to the hospital only when you get to the entrance, they say, sorry, buddy, we're full. What are you going to do? But Mary and Joseph, when they arrived, found there was no place for them to go. Labor had begun. The pains were beginning. And they were so far away from home. You ever had one of those days when you're far away from home and nothing seems to be going right? Amen? But now we come to this third incident. This third incident that Mary treasured in her heart, and that was the arrival of the Savior. Continuing on in the verses to follow in verse 6 of chapter 2 in Luke, the Bible says, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. It was time for the baby to be born. And she brought her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, a feeding trough because there was no room for them in the inn. Ladies, what would it be like to give birth in a stable? Glad it ain't me. Amen? We don't know how they ended up in a stable. It could have been a barn. It could have been a cave. We really don't know. But what we do know is this. The birthplace of Jesus was in a smelly, damp place where animals were kept. And it was there that her son was born. And as Jesus is born, he don't look nothing like a king. His face is all prunish and red. I mean, his cry is strong and it's healthy, but the baby's still helpless. And he's absolutely dependent upon Mary, this teenage girl, for his well-being. So what do you have? You have majesty in the midst of the ordinary. What do you have? You have holiness right in the midst of sheep manure and sweat. What do you have? You have God entering the world on the floor of a stable. What do you have? You have a Savior being born to a teenager in the presence of a carpenter. What would that be like? What would it be like to be parents of a perfect kid. None of y'all know, do you? You see, I've met parents who think their child is perfect. <laughs> I've met kids that think that they're perfect. Can I tell you, both of them are wrong. Amen. But when Joseph and Mary looked upon their child, that child was perfect. When they looked 
into the eyes of Jesus, they were looking into the eyes of God. When Joseph and Mary kissed their baby, they were kissing the face of God. And so there was much, much for Mary to ponder. Because although she has been the one chosen to give birth to this child, get this, that child didn't belong to her. What? That's right. That child didn't belong to her. She belonged to the child. Because he's God. He's God and wrapped in human flesh. So Mary treasured this announcement by the angel Gabriel. She treasured this adventure, incredibly laborious adventure to Bethlehem. She treasured the arrival of her son, the savior of the world. But then there was a fourth incident that she treasured, and that was the audience of these shepherds. In verse 8, and I shared a portion of this last week, but we learned that there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. So what do you think the angel said to them? Don't be afraid. They were greatly afraid, and so the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, a great joy, which will be for all people. For there is born to you in this day, in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, In excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was concerning them, concerning the child, that he was the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. So ladies, what would it be like for common, ordinary sheep herders to come busting into your nursery soon after you've given birth to a child? I mean, just a few miles away, was a magnificent palace, the palace of King Herod. I mean, doesn't it seem like a king should have been the first visitor? 
Or what about Solomon's temple, arrayed in all of its glory, where all those priests and high priests and all those Levites served? Surely they would have come. I mean, this was the king of kings. This was the Lord of lords we're talking about. But who comes? Who comes? Common, ordinary shepherds. Shepherds, just regular people. Those people who are viewed as unclean. Those ones that were viewed as being unfit. Those were the first visitors. And so I wonder, what did Mary think about them? What did Mary think about these first visitors? Why them? Why them? Mary learns from them that she and Joseph weren't the only ones that heard this bizarre story. They weren't the only ones that heard this story that their son was going to be the savior of the world. Mary and Joseph, for the longest time, had felt all alone. They felt all alone, but they soon found out they weren't all alone. Why? Because these shepherds also know that this baby is the Messiah, the Savior, Christ the Lord. So for Mary, she had to see that in the midst of all of these crazy circumstances, in the midst of all these unusual happenings, God was in it. Can I tell you that in the midst of all your crazy circumstances in 2020, God is in it. In all of the crazy circumstances of life, God is in it. Somehow, some way, he's in it. So let me ask you, friend, have you paused yet to ponder the extraordinary circumstances surrounding the birthday of our Savior? That's why we're here today, to pause and to ponder what it was like on the day of our Savior's birth. Can I tell you that our extraordinary God came to be a part of this ordinary world? Can I tell you that, that God came into the world to bless you with his presence? To bless each and every one of us with his presence? I mean, think about this. Where would you be right now had he not come? Lost? Hopeless? Damned? Hellbound. Think about it. I mean, we get all caught up in the, the celebration of Christmas. But soon, listen, y'all, the lights and the trees are going to be gone. Right? And Christmas will be forgotten until next year. Dare we let that happen? Friend, dare we let that happen? Dare we let another Christmas come and go without thinking about what really happened? Dare we allow a single Christmas to go by without truly rejoicing 
and letting God change us by what happened? Friend, if we don't look close enough, we're going to miss it. If we don't look close enough, we're going to miss the blessing of a Christmas celebration honoring our Savior, Christ the Lord. So, friend, listen, rejoice this year. Rejoice in our on-time, in-time, right-time God. He's the one that has come for your good and for his glory. So rejoice as we celebrate this year. Rejoice in the God who intervenes in your life. He may catch you off guard sometimes. Can I get an amen? But in the end... It's always worth singing about. Rejoice in the God who has come to bring peace to the world. He came to bring peace to you. Peace so that you can have a relationship with Almighty God. Rejoice. Rejoice, friend, in the God who has come to bless you. He's come to bless you with the offer of eternal life. Where will we be without him? He's come to bless us with salvation and forgiveness, mercy and grace. Treasure that, why don't you? Amen? And accept the gift that God has given to you. So during this special Christmas invitation, you can receive the blessing. The blessing of becoming a child of God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that as many as received him, as many as received Jesus, to them, God gave the right. He gave the authority to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So y'all, this year, don't just be a bystander. Don't just be a bystander to the day that Jesus left the glory of heaven and entered the world we live in. No. Remember that because we can never rise to his level, Jesus came down to ours. And without him, we'd be hopeless. And so, this year, let us celebrate it differently. Let us celebrate Christmas by just saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being born. Thank you for intervening in my life. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for offering me an eternal life with God. Friend, have you paused to ponder the treasures of Christmas? Have you made room for him in your heart? If you haven't, let today be that day. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for our Jesus. Lord, we are fully aware that he's your Jesus, but you gave him to us. And Lord, we are so grateful 